Welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road, a church with congregations in Guildford, Woking and Aldershot in the UK. To find out more about who we are and what we're up to, please visit us online at EmmausRoad.com. This Sunday we want to focus on prayer. And if you were here on the first Sunday of September when I was speaking, you would have heard that one of our priorities coming into this term was to get the prayer room up and running. Now, despite the enemy's attempts to flood it once again a couple of weeks ago, we believe that we are able to open on the 7th of October. And so, yeah, I mean, that deserves a round of applause, yes. Obviously, and we'll talk a bit about it in just a moment, but one of the real heart behind us investing in refurbishing founders was one, to have a place for stuff like Alpha, the bereavement journey for us to gather together and worship. So that's the top floor if you haven't been in there. Uh, If you haven't been in there, the next Sunday we're going to be running Coffee, Cake and Chat again so you can go over and see it. But on the downstairs, one of the real priorities we had was a room that was going to be a prayer room. So if you're looking at the building on the right-hand side, there is a room there, and that is what we've done. It's got a little kitchenette in it, and um, if you were here three years ago when we last ran our prayer room, it always smelled a little bit like a toilet, and we decided we didn't want it to smell like a toilet anymore, so we're going to invest in refurbishing it, now it's this lovely space. It did flood, and it was growing some new life, but not in the way we wanted it to, And so we've painted it, we've tried to get rid of all of that, and we are excited that we're going to be able to do our very first prayer room in two years. And uh, and really, you know, do what we were hoping to do in that building, which is for this church to be in praying community, coming together as the engine room behind everything that we do. But we're aware in that time, lots of people have joined the church and maybe never been in a prayer room. And so we thought it was right to talk again about why do we believe in this model? Why do we believe in gathering in a strange place 24-7 as one church community? So on that note, I would love to invite to the stage Louise Yagnazar and Bill Kahuzak. If he's around, why don't we give them a round of applause? Welcome, welcome. Bill, I think we're wearing the same shirt. Yeah, congrats. Man. That's amazing. Yeah. I'm so glad I didn't wear my brown cords as well, yeah, otherwise yeah, yeah, we would yeah. have had a uniform. Wow. Um, so if you don't know these guys, they're amazing. Uh, Louise is one of the elders, married to David, who you saw earlier, as well as doing all sorts for Emmaus in her spare time. You're also the director for 24-7 Prayer in Iran and hold a role kind of supporting, catalyzing prayer through Elam that you heard a little bit about. Uh, Bill, you've been in the church for 10 years, 7, 8, a long time. We're all beginning to look the same if you've been around here. Um, And obviously oversaw this congregation for a long time and now have taken a role overseeing um, pastoral care regionally for the church. But before that, based at HTB and oversaw the Furnace community, which was a 24-7, 365 community that ran the prayer room. And so we thought that both these people would be brilliant to come up and share a little bit around why we love the prayer room here at this church. So, Bill, first question to you. Um, Talk to me about why. That first time that you ever went into a prayer room, why were you so captivated? What was it about that space that captured your heart? Well, I think I want to say, first of all, I'm probably, temperamentally, the idea of being sat in a room for an hour 
on my own in quiet. Anyone who knows me know that that kind of is probably about as, as, as far a, a, a away from the sort of, you know, I find it difficult to sit still for five minutes, let alone an hour, certainly in quiet. Um, but what, what, it, you know, what it was was... Um, and so if you're one of those people and you're like, prayer room, not sure, I don't know if I could do it, I felt all of those things. And you know what, I went, went in and um, the truth is I encountered Jesus. And um, there's something about going into a room where, so I arrived, the person who was, who'd been praying for prayed for me. And there's something about stepping into a space where there has been prayer happening where it seems like God is drawn to those places. And in the Celtic tradition, they talk about thin places. And so being in somewhere where there's loads of prayer, I don't know if you've ever been somewhere, I don't know whether it's a cathedral or a church or a place, where there just seems to be the presence of God seems to have rested there. And that's what it was like. And so you, I encountered Jesus. And I suddenly found that and because of the way the prayer room's set up and there's loads of different ways to pray, I found actually an hour went just so fast. So, but to step into a place where people have been praying, where God is, to meet with him and to be able to articulate prayer in creative different ways, for me, was just totally transformative. Amazing, thank you. So if you've never been into a prayer room, they tend to be built up with uh, lots of prayer stations. And Louise, in a second, I'll ask about how kind of creativity was really important for you of stepping into new prayer. So Louise, I know that creativity was major for you. Talk to me a little bit about that and how prayer rooms really opened you up to a whole new way of praying. Yeah, um, absolutely. I think I went into my first prayer room about seven years ago. It was actually a prayer room that was set up by a group of local churches in our area. And um, I, I literally arrived having no frame of reference for a prayer room before. Um, and actually, it was so... I mean, I do have a bit of a flair for the dramatic, and I'm sure my husband could back that up. Um, and, but if I, if I say it was like a pivotal moment, it, that isn't being dramatic. It really was actually an, um, a really significant moment in just my understanding of prayer and, um, and actually just walking with Jesus. Um, and, you know, I like to kind of describe it like um, up to that point, it's like God had prepared a feast of all sorts of amazing foods. And for me around prayer, it was like, I was constantly going back to the chicken nuggets and the cheese and pineapple sticks over and over and over again. I um, don't know if anyone can identify, but it, prayer was just had a massive, um, it just it was guilt inducing, you know, and I had been around prayer all my life, grown up in church, but um, yeah, I just found it was one-dimensional and it and I personally my personality I didn't resonate with that like the approaches that I kind of grown up with so yeah I walk into this prayer space and it was like this the neatly packaged idea of prayer just began to be unraveled for me walking in and seeing a room that um, was like a church. It was a church, actually. It was um, the main sanctuary of a church. It was completely transformed from what a church would normally look like. The chairs had been removed. There was more fairy lights than I'd ever seen in one place before. I think they're a requirement. It's not a prayer room without fairy lights, I think. But um, uh, there was um, soft furnishings. But 
also what was in talking to the creativity bit um there were these um stations or prayer activities that um were you were being invited into and that's just simply about you know connecting with God, talking to God, but through these invitations, these prayer activities that were using things like huge murals with colour and, um, you know, getting your hands messy or lighting a candle or just really finding ways to pray that were completely out of the hands together, eyes closed. And so, yes, the creativity lifted a lid on something. And actually, um, what was so interesting is going into a prayer room experience actually opened up my entire prayer life, really. Wow, that's amazing. We always think about the fairy lights, like landing strip for the Holy Spirit. I think that's what he needs, yeah. So the more you have, the more he sees, I think. Um, And actually, that's the story so often, having worked for 24-7 prayer, that the model was at the time when lots of churches really had quite one-dimensional prayer. And what we find is countless stories of people coming in and saying, I didn't believe that prayer could be like this. I've suddenly found that I can pray in keeping with the way that the Lord made me, whether that's music or creativity or silence or whatever. Okay, Bill, so getting a little theological now, if someone was to say, you know, the Bible promises that the Lord is always with us, which he is, what is there special about a room? Why, why do we need to go to a room to, to encounter the Lord when he's right here with us now? He's with us in our living room, whatever. I, that's a great question. And um, I think there's a couple of different answers. I think the first thing is, is that actually if you look in the Bible, yes, of course, that we, and as, and as um, sort of Protestant, sort of charismatic theology type church, which is kind of what we are, I guess. Uh, We have a real theology of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, but actually loads of other traditions, and actually the Bible as a whole has, has, if you look through it, there's a really strong thread of actually the importance of place. uh, so you know, so much. So you look at the Old Testament, particularly, you know, the temple, obviously, but also these festivals where people would come together for a festival to worship. You know, in some senses, you might say, well, why do we go to wildfires? You know, it's just a bunch of tents in the field. It's because there's something about a place that God particularly loves and is drawn to. That's the first thing. I think the second thing, uh, theologically, is is that um, um, when you Think, I think particularly of two chronicles, you know, where they consecrate the temple and the, the presence of God comes and everybody's um, overwhelmed. So I think this idea that God comes to, he's drawn to a place, he comes to a place and he, and he dwells uh, in a place. And you know, the crazy thing is, is that you could, you could drive past founders or you could walk past founders and not know that, that there, is, there is this room that God is waiting to meet people. And of course, he can meet us on the street corner. He can meet us in a supermarket. He can meet us at home, you know, with a cup of tea, looking, singing, having... But he is literally, almost figuratively sat in this room waiting for people to come so that they can encounter him in all his goodness, all his power, all his grace. And, and um, my own experience of this is that... Um, I kind of probably was on a bit of a journey from like, well, oh, God lives in me and you know, the Holy Spirit, you know, why do we need landing strips in a room? Um, but, but I found that as I did, and, and just one story I think that really illustrates this for me is, um, well, two stories, if that's all right. The first is, like, um, the church I worked at before, they, um, it wouldn't be somewhere that you'd particularly think that there'd be people who'd want to go to a prayer room because London's huge and you've got people coming from sort of all over the place to go to this little sort of, you know, shed in a car park 
was in Knightsbridge, but you know. Um, and and people, I was called this one time when I oversaw this community because there was a fight in the prayer room because someone didn't want to leave uh, because they were encountering, they just had such a profound encounter with Jesus. So, so I can honestly say in all my years of uh, pastoral ministry, I've never been called to break up a fight in a prayer room because one person didn't want to leave. And then the second thing, I think, is that um, there's something about setting yourself apart in a way and consecrating yourself and going and doing this thing. And, and because I ran this prayer room, I, um, there was this one time where we sort of closed for a couple of days just to kind of do a refresh because um, if people are coming in and out of a prayer room all the time, um, you know, it's kind of like pretty well lived in. Um, and smelt like it had been <laughs> lived in. And you think Founder smelt bad when it had been flooded. It was nothing on what a shed in Knightsbridge smelt like when it hadn't been flooded. So, um, so I thought, well, I'll go in and I'll just kind of set the room up and make sure it's nice for people who are there. So I went in, I locked the door, and I thought, well, since I'm here, you know, I kind of got it nice. And then I thought, well, since I'm here, I might as well kind of, you know, pray in, pray it open if you like. So, so I put some worship music on and it started worshipping. And then um, there was a real sort of sense of suddenly sort of what happens with the presence of God. It's a bit like um, the volume getting turned up. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, it, it's like, it's not like he arrives, boom, and you know, you kind of, it's more, it's often like once you become aware of him, if you push into that, and that's the amazing thing about prayer, you can, it's like he turns the volume of his presence up the more that we encounter him and sort of push into those moments. So, uh, so I was doing that and there's, uh, I sort of began sort of... Sometimes when we encounter the presence of God, that has a physiological effect on our bodies. Um, you know, if God was to walk in, I suspect our bodies would respond in all sorts of interesting ways right now. Um, and so my body started to react. And then I felt these footsteps... Behind, I did, I'd taken my shoes off... And I felt these footsteps behind me, and I honestly sort of was like freaked out because I was like, I definitely, I thought I definitely locked the door, definitely, definitely locked the door, definitely locked the door. But I, I also the presence that there was such a sense of the presence of God. I like, I didn't, I didn't want to move, even though I couldn't quite work out what these footsteps were behind me. And then I felt this hand on my back, and um, I felt this sort of surge of. Um, power really just kind of um rushed through my um body and um i sort of was felt slightly overwhelmed by that unsurprisingly and sort of ended up sort of kneeling on the floor and um i looked up and i don't know if you've had one of those moments that's so intense it's like in a film where it's like super close up or you can literally see you know you're kind of tunnel you get kind of tunnel vision and i just saw this face uh in front of me and um, he looked at me, and I don't know if you've ever been looked at by someone, and it's a strange com- co- feeling of like being totally known and totally loved, but not feeling, or totally known, but not feeling ashamed. You know, because most of us spend most of our lives just be trying not to be known because we don't want people to know what we're really like. Maybe that's an insight to, to me. Um, but, um, but totally known and totally loved in that moment. And then, and then as I sort of, got myself up I felt I saw this hand just push not onto my chest but right through my chest and um, 
I've never been the same since, is the truth. And I didn't go in expecting that to happen. And I, I took a long time to work out if I ever wanted to tell anybody that story because it was so kind of out there. But I think I, the reason I want to share it with you is because you don't know what might happen to you if you step into a prayer room. You just don't know. But it will definitely, definitely be good. Wow. Uh, because God is waiting there to, to meet with you. That's amazing. Thanks, Bill. So yeah, I remember someone saying that psalm where it says, wait patiently for the, ward, for the Lord. That's not a sort of casual waiting. That's almost like a hunter waiting for its prey. It's going to the place where you know that the Lord seems to walk by and waiting there for him. Mm-hmm. And that is often the experience in the prayer room. Amazing. Thank you for sharing that story. Louise, one thing we really believe in is 24-7. So that means we go right through the night, 3 a.m., 4 a.m. We believe in having people there in the prayer room. And oftentimes, they're the hardest slots to fill. But then people who seem to be intentional about waking up in the night, when everyone else is asleep, going and being in the prayer room, seems to be that they have the most incredible encounters. Talk to me a little bit about your experience with those night slots and why they seem to be sacred in some way. I'd like to say that most of my experience is not theoretical. Um, I have to be honest and say I haven't spent a lot of time at night um, in the prayer rooms because of my stage of life. Um, I think, Bill, you have probably had some uh, more nights I've heard you mention in the past in the prayer room, but... I really do um, believe that there is something really powerful. I think the idea of withdrawal and fighting for withdrawal um, at any time of day or night is really significant. And I think there could be some of us here who, you know, um, actually that fight to find a slot in the day is like so... It's a, it's a choice, um, you know, I think... Pete says in his book, How to Pray, that, you know, 99% of 24-7 prayer and what happens in those moments is just the choice of getting up and going. You know, 99% of all the, the, the importance of it is that decision to get up and go. So, you know, whether it's day or night, I think just us physically moving our bodies from A to B Um, It's just saying something to the Lord about um, our heart and our desire and maybe even saying, I don't particularly want to do this, but I'm choosing to do it. And God sees that and honours that. Um, But just going back tonight, I mean, my thoughts are, first of all, like there are so many um, heroes of the faith that um, exemplify, you know, the significance and power of praying at night. I mean, you know, Abraham, Jacob, Daniel, Samuel, you know, and of course, Jesus, you know, who went and the Bible says to a certain place, he moved to a certain location, it possibly suggests that there was some preferred location that Jesus had. But he, you know, he set aside, he went at night in that that quiet place and um, encountered the Lord. And, um, And actually, Um, in Pete's book, How to Pray, he gives the example of the 
amazing mathematician, physicist, engineer, Blaise Pascal. Um, and he quotes um, this moment. You know, that guy did so many, not that I know much about him, but um, he did, you know, apparently so many incredible things. But the thing that he said was the most significant moment was this night that he called the night of fire where he had an encounter with God that changed his life forever. A bit like what you were talking about right there. And, um, and honestly, you know, if it's good enough for Jesus and it's, you know, and we hear these stories of transformation, then I, I want to say yes to that. But, you know, also I think there's some stuff that gets stripped away at night, isn't there? You know, I mean, first of all, there's fewer notifications that are going to be happening on your phone. So, you know, first of all, there's a bit, possibly a bit less distraction, fewer people to call you. But also, um, there's just something, um, I think about that psalm that says, I think it's Psalm 136, that says, you know, like the watchman longs for the morning, you know, um, so I long for the Lord. That's a big paraphrase, but, you know. um, And I think, actually, even sometimes, if it is a little bit of discomfort in that nighttime moment, a bit of fighting through tiredness or weariness, that longing, it's like that cry of our hearts. We're, we're longing for more. And I think God really honours that. So, yeah. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. In our house, we've, um, we were just, me and Hannah were talking through Matthew 24 on this passage all about Jesus talking about tribulation. And then in the middle of it, it just says, for some, their love will have grown cold. And we just struck again around like, oh, God, like save us from our love growing cold. And one of the ways, something about overcoming that discomfort, getting up in the middle of the night is like, Jesus, I'm in love with you. And I'm going to, you know, what I want now is sleep, but what I want most is your presence. And so I'm going to go. So powerful. Uh, Bill, I've talked a lot, and obviously the kind of individual aspect of the prayer room is, is quite obvious, but there's also something powerful about the corporate aspect, about the family coming together in this space. Talk to me a little bit about that. I think um, just uh, one more. Um, Louise said something that I thought was really interesting. And the, the truth is, like, and it's deeply uncomfortable for us in Western culture, but God's heart is drawn to sacrifice. Yeah. They're just it's like, you look at the Bible, there is no way around that. And um, I know turning up in the day and going is a sacrifice, but there's something about pulling yourself out of bed and sometimes dragging yourself uh, to a place that attracts the heart of God and the presence of God. So that's, I thought it was really important what you said. I think um, in terms of um, people, well, again, you know, you look at, um, and one of the things I love about the prayer room is it's a particular way to be family. Um, where, you know, often, um, uh, you, know, we bec- you know, we can think about my spiritual life and my prayer life and my time in the prayer room. But the amazing thing about prayer weeks or prayer days or prayer seasons, you know, when you get the whole church together, is you're reminded that you're part of a chain, that you, you know, I turn up and uh, Mark's there and Mark's, before Mark, John was there and before um, John was there and Nat was there and you are part of this continual moving train of prayer that is silently uh, moving and touching the heart of God and changing the kind of the atmosphere uh, all around us. And then when I go, you know, Taryn turns up, and after Taryn, Andre's there, and whoever, you know, you get the drift. But it is an extraordinary way to be part of family. And and you realize that actually um, 
it, in some ways, is a really good thing. Because and why I really want to encourage you to do it is for that reason. But also, the bottom line is, if I don't show up, Mark's got to stay. And, and there's an accountability to it that is also, and Mark would be thrilled to stay, I know. Um, I might get a text afterwards, but he'd be thrilled to stay. But, but there's something about, the, uh, about that that puts accountability to it, again, that's really important. Because that's actually how you build family and you build community as well. You know, you're, you become sort of dependent on each other. Yeah, that's really good, yeah. One of my favourite things is towards the end of the week, you walk around and just all these yeah, prayers oh, across the amazing. prayer wall, and you're like, wow, this is the heartbeat of this community. Yeah. It's incredible pain, but incredible hope and mission. You get to walk around and be like, amen to that, and amen to that. And, and one, one of the best, if you want to know what's going on in the life of the church, some Pete said this to me when I was, uh, Nicky Gumbel said it as well, when I was looking after prayer, and he said, Nicky Gumbel said he could tell what was happening in the life of the church when he went in the prayer room. You see the prayers that were written and, and, you know, drawn or whatever. And he said that's how he got a feeling of the temperature of the life of the church. So if you want to know what's going on in the church, go to the prayer room. Amazing. Louise, final question. Um, if someone's here, they've, they're excited, they've never been in a prayer room, and much like you, the thought of an hour alone in a room with God feels overwhelming and a little bit intimidating. Do you have any kind of practical tips? What would you suggest to them? Yeah, first of all, um, I would say just do it because um, walking, just, you know, getting in your car or out your house and walking and just and signing up and getting that slot, just do it. Just park your concerns, hesitations and just do it because once I found that once I got in there, there, there is so much to fill the time. And, um, you know, there, there may be some people who feel less comfortable with, you know, having activities that very much direct their prayers. That's totally fine. There are so many ways to be in the prayer room. You can just go in there and do nothing. But you've still that, that power of withdrawal, that power of setting time aside and saying, God, I'm here and you're here. That's so powerful. But also, you know, actually for me, going around and actually like the first time, I think I probably just did like two or three things. Um, I remember taking my kids in and by the way, I had to drag them there because they had no frame of reference for a prayer room. But once they got in there, it was like so fun. They're like literally running around, trying this, trying that. So, you know, whether you want to be like a kid that runs around and tries everything or whether you just want to sit with one thing or two things, there's total freedom. I think the biggest mistake is to think there's a way that you ought to engage with the prayer room. The, the invitation, as it is when we're at home or on the commute or anywhere else, is that God says, I'm here and you're here. Let's hang out together. And I just think, really, in the end, that is just, um, you know, will, will we say yes to that invitation and see what he has to say to us? That's so good. Thank you. That's amazing. Thank you so much. Um, we've actually got a picture of Founders Prayer Room. There it is. There's a little computer simulation, in fact. It looks very similar, a little bit less computery in real life, but um, it was growing things, so we didn't want pictures of the new one currently. But that's what it will be like when you go in there. Um, in terms of security and all of those questions, when you sign up, uh, you'll get emails that explain all about how you access it and all of that. 
in terms of signing up, you will have received an email into your inbox like magic while we have been talking with a little online sign-up for all of the slots. Um, so do check that out. If you didn't get an email for any reason, then you can go onto the website emmausroad.com and then if you go to the calendar, you can sign up like that. It's all done where you can just see all of the hours of the day from midday on Friday the 7th of October to midday on uh, Friday the 14th of October and we would love to fill every hour. 24-7 of that week with unbroken prayer as a church community. So please do sign up. Um, Liv is just going to come up because we've got a few announcements that we need for the prayer room. So uh, Liv, if... We are so excited to have Liv. Liv is part of students here at Emmaus Road. For those of you that know and love Claire Wilkie, our very own Claire Wilkie, Liv is Claire Wilkie's sister. And, um, and Liv, this is going to be your actual first time um, experiencing uh, prayer room at Emmaus Road. But um, you are already part of the prayer team planning and praying over this. So, um, Liv, do you mind just sharing with us a little bit about why you're excited to be a part of this? Absolutely. Um, can I just say, I don't know if anyone else got this, but just how powerful that prayer was today for um, the Iranians. I was crying. I could feel the presence of the Lord. And it just kind of guided me today of just saying prayer is so powerful. It's probably one of the most powerful things we can do. And so when I heard about the prayer room and how actually this year we can use it because it has been flooded for the past few years. Um, to actually get involved in that, I jumped at it because prayer, as it's been said, can be quite one-dimensional and yet a prayer room encap encapsulates uh, like a 3D effect of actually this is what prayer can be. You can be vulnerable in the presence of the Lord and you can encounter him. And it just made me think of um, the song from Elevation Worship, What Would You Do, with the lyric, what would you do if he walks into the room? And that always strikes me when I'm on my commute on the train of what would I do if the Lord enters this place? And that's exactly what can happen within the prayer room, which is why I was so excited to be part of it and be part of creating it. Having said that, we would love some help <laughs> in um, setup. Um, and if you are creative in any sort of way, I'm going to just say I'm not that creative. So, oh, thanks, Holly. Okay, I'm a little bit creative. Um, but we would love some help in setup. So, if there is anyone who is available on the days leading up to prayer week, um, just email Natalie. Um, and then also, who is down at the front? Um, yes, and then also to have prayer on the lead up of prayer week, just to pray that, you know, it doesn't get flooded again. Um, we're wanting the Holy Spirit to really flood that place spiritually. Do you like what I said? What I did there? Um, yeah, to flood it spiritually for all of us to really um, get the most out of that place. Um, I think that's everything. <laughs> Thank you so much, Liv. Thank you, Adam. Amazing, amazing. Why don't we jump to our feet as we... Um, Louise, would you pray? Would yeah. you pray for the prayer room for us as we approach it? Um, and then, yeah, yeah let's, yeah, let's consecrate it to the Lord as we close. Yeah. 
Yes, Father, we thank you so much for this incredible opportunity that we get to pull away and withdraw. And we know, Lord, that you honour that, Lord. We trust and we believe that just as you have met people through the ages, Lord, who have just made space for you, Lord, so you will meet us again this time. We do ask in the name of Jesus that Founders Prayer Room and Mayus Road Prayer Room would be flooded by your spirit, Lord God. We, uh, we just want to make ourselves available to you and see what you will do. Lord, not only for us as individuals, but we are looking to you, Lord, for our church community to hear. We want to lean in and hear what you have to say to us about our church community in this season, about our um, local community and our nation. So God, we... Um, anticipate the amazing things you're going to do. Lord, I pray that um, every one of us, Lord, would uh, just receive the invitation and respond to it, Lord, and that it would be um, no mind, no eye can conceive, Lord, what you will do in those moments. Father, we love you. We thank you that we can um, make ourselves available for you and that you are waiting there for us. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much. Okay, we're going to draw the service to a close there. Thank you for being with us this morning. If you have under 18s in the groups, please do go and collect them now. And uh, we'll be back. Pete will be speaking uh, next week. So see you there. Thanks so much. Thank you.